who are you? Hmm. And that's, what's fascinating to me is, you know, everybody hires a coach because they have a goal to achieve or a challenge to overcome. And I'll help anybody with a strategy or a process or an idea. But when I ask people, who are you? What, what is your purpose? What are your passions? What are you most deeply principled around? They kind of pause because we may have done mission, vision, values exercises for an organization we've worked for or with, but we've rarely ever done that for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I try to start with people is let's figure out who you are so we can build a life around that and then become the best version of that person. Podcasting legacy, how to start, launch, and run a podcast to leave a legacy. Dive into the secrets of successful podcasting. Learn how to craft compelling content, build an engaged audience, and monetize your passion. This isn't just an ebook. This is your ticket to start, launch, and run a podcast to leave a legacy. Imagine having expert strategies at your fingertips guiding you through every step of the way. Whether you're a novice or a pro, this ebook will transform your podcast into a legacy. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Grab your copy now and start creating a podcast that leaves a lasting impact. Visit ericallamedia.com and unlock the doors to your legacy. Elevate your voice, inspire the audience, and leave your mark on the world. Podcasting Legacy, your journey to podcasting greatness. Ryan, you're a husband, you're a dad, you're a speaker, performance coach, you're the author of Wounds, How Heart, Heartache, and Tragedy Become the Keys to Unlocking Greatness. You're a podcast host. You're also a survivor of the Las Vegas mass shooting and so much more, man. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks, man. It's good to be here. That's a lot of things that I, uh, I, I don't know that I do them all, all the time, or at least not all well all the time, but, <laughs> but all of them. <laughs> I love it, man. I, I like to kick my show off by going back a bit. Like, where did you grow up? What was childhood like for you? Oh man. So I grew up in Southern California. I'm born and raised, still live there now. I've lived in about a 30 mile radius my whole life, which is super boring. Okay. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I grew up in a pretty, uh, chill, uh, suburban town in North orange County. Um, my parents divorced when I was six and I don't have much memory of life before that. Mm. Um, and so for me, most of my upbringing, I saw my dad every other weekend, uh, but most of my upbringing was becoming the man of the house at a really young age. Uh, my mom did the best she could to provide for my brother and I, I was six, my brother was three and, um, she worked two and three jobs to provide for us, to keep us in our neighborhood and in our house. And I was fortunate to have three or four close friends that lived across the street and up the street. So I had some friends in the neighborhood, but just so much of my upbringing was that it was just, you know, trying to just support my mom the best I could to be a kid. Uh, and then little by little, I kind of started to inch away from what I was taught to do and uh, started to get myself into some trouble. Wow, man. Uh, my parents divorced when I was 11 years old. And it was mm. interesting that you said that you, know, you don't remember too much prior to that. And it's kind of like my memory on that too is, is real slim. Yeah. And then even kind of the first couple of years after they got divorced and they, you know, it got crazy after that. Uh, but I want to talk about your book. You dropped this in September. It's called Wounds, How Heart, Heartache, and Tragedy Become the Keys to Unlocking Greatness. You mentioned that your wounds are really the keys to unlocking your success and significance. First of all, congratulations on this book. What's the journey that you take readers through in this book? Uh, so 
I'll, I'll kind of give a, a little bit of a backstory. So you, you know, you briefly shared in the bio that in October of 2017, my wife and I and five of our friends were in the crowd in Las Vegas when the mass shooting happened at Route 91. And wow. one of our friends was one of the 58 killed that night. My wife took a round through and through the crown of her hat, and we didn't know that until hours later. And um, so two weeks later, I went back to work and my company that I'd worked for at the time, they had been one of my consulting clients that I went to work for and they were gracious. They just let me have my space. And I walked back into work that first day and, um, I went into my office, floor to ceiling windows in Newport beach, California, looking out towards the coast. And my first recollection of that morning was me saying to myself, what the hell are you doing with your life? And it was a crazy, crazy question to ask because I was habitual. I was disciplined. I was goal driven. I was making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. I was about to turn 40 years old. I was healthy in the best shape of my life. My family's good. My friends are good. Um, everything was good. I was a pastor of a church as well. And like, it was just all good. And so to ask that question was nonsense. Yeah. But what that did for me was, open this idea up to realize that I was really good at what I was doing, but I wasn't doing what I was called to. Hmm. And through a series of quite a few different iterations, that first one was seven months long, working with my executive coach, with my wife and a couple of other people. I resigned that job, went back into coaching in May of 2018. But then even after that, April of 2019, which I share in the introduction to the book, I suffered my first anxiety attack, balled up into the, you know, in the fetal position in the corner of my office. And anyway, through all of that, I started to realize that though I had moved past my parents divorced, though I had moved past uh, getting involved with a girl in high school that uh, I ended up uh, putting my name on the birth certificate of her child and taking uh, ownership of that child and responsibility of that child, though it wasn't mine and um, getting into drugs and alcohol and gambling. Like, all these things that I had moved past, I had not completely understood why they happen mm -hmm. and how to grow from them. Like mm -hmm. just, just because I, I was no longer addicted to uh, a drug or to gambling didn't mean that I really had learned anything from it. It was just, don't do that again. Right. And so that then to answer the question, my book is my memoir of these nine kind of pivotal seasons of life of taking people through these nine big wounds, uh, some of them self-induced, uh, others induced uh, by other people, uh, and, and just working through this framework of what, what really happened, like what, what hurt me, mm. how did it impact me back then? Because that, that's when we start to learn, <clears throat> learn the trajectory that we went on. And then from there, how do I become better as the result of that? And so, you know, it's weird. Sorry to take so long with this, but, you know, it's no, so man, weird good. because when, when, when I was first asked to write a book, it was about nine, six months after Route 91, and they wanted me to write the story of, of that. And I said, mm. absolutely not. I'm not writing a book, having any kind of notoriety or success on the back end of our close friend, the other 57 that were killed, the 22,000 people that lives were changed forever. I was like, I was not going to do it. The more I went into it, I started to write a book. I scrapped that and I started to write this personal story. And I just think to myself, like, why the hell does anybody want to read a story about some random idiot from Yorba Linda, California? Like there's, mm. there's nothing important or significant to me at all, you know? And yet the more that I was encouraged to write, 
the more that I recognized that just like every other person in this world, God has created us with a story <laughs> and it's not for ourselves. It's just as much, if not more for the world around us. And yeah. so I just felt like this was my opportunity to, in some way, to go first, to be vulnerable, to share these things that sometimes, especially men don't want to share uh, and just let it be known and just let God use it. Man, what you just said hit home so close for me. Unbelievable. You know, I, I think I went on the same journey. My parents, mm. like I said, divorced at 11. I had to fight my mom's boyfriend. I was 13. I battled addictions for, you know, 10 years of my life. I was in jail at 18, bankrupt to 21, battled all, more addictions and uh, got sober. And when I gave my life to Christ back in 2004, wow. 18 years sober, I'm 43 years old this year. And I still earlier this year was going to counseling to figure out why the heck did I go through that stuff? And yeah. still trying to figure out like forgiveness and battle all that stuff, man, as a 43 year old man. And I, at 40, I was like, man, I'm not where I want to be, but I was, yep. I started to feel this kind of crushing around me. And it was really God that pulled me out of that and, and seeking help through counseling and my wife and just trying to get all that through my head, man, just craziness yeah. um, that you had to go through there. Well, and, you know, and, and, and to that point, you know, I was actually talking about this earlier today and I was saying that, you know, as Christians, we need to understand that. So God creates us. He creates us for a specific purpose. Mm -hmm. He lays out a specific plan for our life. And then we would have to believe that he equips us with the gifts and talents necessary to fulfill that plan and purpose, though yeah. it's going to take molding and shaping and time. You know, he, he, he's given us everything we need. And if that's the case and we adhere to that idea, which we should if we, if we read the Bible, then we would have to believe that all of those things are opportunities to learn, to grow, to get better, to ultimately fulfill and accomplish everything he's put inside of us to desire us to accomplish. Yeah. And so I say to people, I'm like, okay, this awful thing, like I would do anything I could to, to, to not have lost my house in 2013 to short sale after a ton of terrible financial decisions and the 2008 crash. Hmm. But I learned so much about stewarding finances and how to earn money in a better way and to not abuse it and take care of it and to invest not just into things, but into experiences for my family. And like, it's made me a better man mm -hmm. and a better husband and a better father. And it's now allowing me to strive for things in a different way. So I'm fulfilled like I never have been before. And so it's like Christians, especially everybody, but really, but Christians, especially we're leaving so much on the table when we ignore the fact that this all has purpose and meaning, you know, so important, man. When I saw that post that you did today and I was blown away. It, it was so good, man. And, and so true. I think no matter what people are going through, you know, God's got a plan for us and he's given us the strength to get through that so that we can teach and impact others. I, I just love that, man. Yeah. Man. Hey, this is a quick shout out from one of our awesome sponsors. Check this out. Thank you to Tracy down at Tranquil Turn Massage in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Look, my wife and I, we see Tracy and her team every single month for a couple's massage, and it is the best thing. Tracy is a master massage specialist and a Hanu Ashiatsu trainer. You need to reach out to Tracy and her team. Make sure that you tell them that I sent you, and you'll get 25 bucks off your next massage. Also, while you're there, check out CDA Brows, Body, and Ink. Make sure to tell Tracy that I sent you, and you'll save 100 bucks on your next tattoo brows and plasma tightening services. So good. And, and I was reading through your website, and you... Within your coaching, you help executives, entrepreneurs, and sales pros achieve freedom, fulfillment, and abundance. Why are those three so important? And what's step one for the client to get them on the right path? Huh. 
God, uh, that that's a loaded one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so freedom, fulfillment, and abundance. So let let me start there, and then and then I'll say like step one to get there. Yeah. So, I, I, from everybody I've interacted with, everybody I've had the chance to work with, befriend, whatever. Everything that we set out to achieve or accomplish is a means to an end. I mean, when you think about the opportunity to achieve a financial goal, a health-related goal, it's because we want freedom. And my definition of freedom is the ability to do what I want, when I want, with the people that I want. Yeah. Now, we need guardrails because if left to my own devices, it's not pretty for me to do what I want, right? So I, I need right. the proper guardrails in place. So, so that's freedom is, okay, like, let's go set out to achieve a goal, but what is it you really want? It's some form of that freedom. So that's the freedom piece. Fulfillment is this idea that all along the way, we should always live with a sense of joyful contentment. Like I'm not happy with where I'm at in the sense that I want to keep growing. I want to build my business. I want to be stronger. I want to be faster. But if I can't find fulfillment in the now, I'm not promised tomorrow and I'm not going to live the rest of my life striving for what's not yet. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to help people find that. And then abundance is, especially as Christians, I think that because of this run away from the awful prosperity gospel that has been out there for so many years, I think Christians have run away from the idea of living with abundance, mm -hmm. of seeking to make lots of money and have a big, beautiful house and brick, drive a Ferrari. Like, I don't care. It's like, if you can do that in a way that honors the Lord, go for it. Mm -hmm. And so I want to encourage people to seek more. And if you're doing that from a good place, the more you gain, the more you're going to give and you're going to invest into the world around you anyway. So mm -hmm. those three things, that's why those three things are so important. And then back to then the, the last question, which was, so then what's the first step? The first step comes back to who are you? Mm -hmm. And that's, what's fascinating to me is you know, everybody hires a coach because they have a goal to achieve or a challenge to overcome. And I'll help anybody with a strategy or a process or an idea. But when I ask people, who are you? What, what is your purpose? What are your passions? What are you most deeply principled around? They kind of pause because we may have done mission, vision, values, exercises for an organization we've worked for or with. But we've rarely ever done that for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I try to start with people is let's figure out who you are so we can build a life around that and then become the best version of that person. Come on, man. I love that. Step one right there. Everyone needs to be taking notes, man. That's so good. Now, as I was looking through your website again, there, there's some other things on there that really caught my attention. And, and one of the things that I think gets looked over by entrepreneurs in general is this non-toxic masculinity that you mentioned, like becoming the best <laughs> man at work and at home. Can you deep dive into this topic and, and maybe go over a couple of practical tips that men can put into play to be that best man at home for their family? Yeah. Um, so one of the reasons why, you know, that topic was titled that way is because um, there, there was, and it still is to some degree, but this idea of toxic masculinity mm -hmm. um, that is not good, right? A an abuse of uh, authority and power and strength and position. Yeah. But again, the pendulum swung so far in the other direction that we have just created a society of weak men that mm -hmm. aren't willing to step up. And so for me, this idea of masculinity is we are called by God to be providers and protectors. 
yeah. of our families, of our communities, of our friends, of those we love. And so this is what I'm trying to help really rally men around is this idea that you are still called to be a leader. Like it, it, it's a very provocative thing in society to say today, but God positionally created men and women the way that he did for a reason. And it's not for a man to lord over. It's because we by nature have the ability to lead, to protect and to provide. And so I'm trying to help men to reframe how they think about what it means to lead. Like mm. even, even this idea of provision, I'll, I'll just go down this little rabbit hole for a second. Yeah. So uh, early in my career, I was fortunate, uh, I don't know, by 24, which was 21 years ago, uh, to break a, a six-figure salary. And for you kids that are listening, that used to be a lot of money. Today, yeah, totally. it seems like not, but, <laughs> totally. but back then it was a lot. And so um, I was working... I started working 10, 12, 14, 16 hour days in the name of providing for my family. Mm -hmm. All the while, my wife of three, four, five years and my new child that was two, three, four, five years old, she was born 11 months after we got married. Um, I wasn't providing myself to them. I, I, you know, it was like I was going to work to, to put a roof over their head. I was going to work to put food on the table. I was going to work to it was nonsense. Like, mm -hmm. yes, that was kind of true. But I was really using that as an excuse to build an empire, to be looked at as good. That that's not provision. And as a matter of fact, fast forwarding all the way to 2013, when I lost my house, my wife and I looked at each other one day and said, as long as we have each other and live in a cardboard box on the side of the street, though that would not be awesome or ideal, this is enough. Mm -hmm. And so that's, again, I'm trying to help these men that are out there striving for greatness and excellence. It's like, do all of that. But if you are sacrificing time with your family at these critical and pivotal moments, I mean, we're raising a society where where kids are left to their own devices and good Lord, us as adults can't make that half the decisions, right? How can yeah. we expect kids to do the same thing? Yeah, man. I love that you mentioned about you and your wife being okay with living in the cardboard box, though not ideal, but like yeah. if you were together, my wife and I, we, we did a short sale in our house in 2014 wow. and we had a flood in our house that we had to go live in a tiny little uh, hotel for like three weeks. And my daughter was, two and a, or my daughter was three. My son was two, two and a half months old. And we oh. like went from this massive house to this, you know, little tiny apartment. And I remember being in there going, man, God's got us here. He's provided for us, but we're okay with staying in this little tiny house. Like we're, yeah. we're fine. We're just together. And it was in that time that we really started to have this vision of us moving away from toxic family, toxic family and toxic mm. areas of out in the Seattle area and came to Seattle or came to Idaho. And here we are almost 10 years later and really feel like God's got us on the right path, though we're still trying to figure things out as well. But wow. man, I think that God puts you in those situations and really starts to open your eyes and, and helps you realize like family is enough, man. Yeah. So well, and again, like it, it goes back to what, you know, we were talking about earlier. It's like, if, if I wouldn't have lost all those things and been slapped in the face and been humiliated and been frustrated and been angry with God and everybody else, yeah. I would have never come to realize if I would have gone on to make 500,000 million bucks, bigger houses, more stuff, I'd have never learned my lesson. I don't care totally. what anybody says. Like <laughs> some people have been fortunate enough to learn the easy way. That is not Ryan Miller's way of learning. Mm -hmm. I learn by just getting busted up and it's happened far too many times. And I wish I would learn, <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> I love it. Same. Dude. <laughs> same. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Same, man. 
like when it comes to being successful in life as a dad, as a husband, there's these habits that we have to put in place. What are those non-negotiable habits for you that help you achieve that being a great dad, being a great husband and achieving those goals? Yeah. So a number one for me, gosh, some of these sound so cheesy at this point, but that's just the reality. So number one for me is God has to be first. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have this simple little practice of every morning I wake up and my devotional, I'm in a, like a daily year long, a devotion, a men's devotional. And I do not, I forbid myself, which probably happens 25 out of 30 days a month that I, that I nail this. I forbid myself to check anything else on my phone until I've read my devotional and then read the uh, associated scripture. So Mm. like, that's how I start. We go to church as long as we're in town. I've stepped down from pastoral ministry, but for the last three years still, like we go to church every single Sunday. We are at midweek events when our calendar allows, like that's priority first. That's for me first. And then for my family. And then second to that is my family is my everything. And so we, I mean, my 21 year old daughter, she still lives at home or we love that. Uh, probably next two years she'll move out, but my 21 year old daughter, and then I have a 14 year old daughter. We eat dinner around the dinner table together, either at home or out somewhere five nights a week. And the only reason the other two nights don't happen is either a date night with my wife or because my oldest daughter's working late hours. So those things have been critical for us because Mm. It's allowed, first of all, for them to see what marriage looks like between my wife and I, how a woman should be treated, how a man should treat them. So that example has been there. But also, I mean, I'm sure you you know, you would agree with this. The last few years, especially with just the war in culture and with just so many crazy things being said and done politically mm. and societally and racially, just all these things, it's allowed us an opportunity to just have real talk with our kids on a regular basis about life. And it's one thing to be like, Hey, the Bible says, or God says, or I say, but it's another thing to just talk about the reality as they happen. Mm -hmm. And so that time together, like right now, it's super cool. My wife and two daughters are at Disneyland. They have passes and it brings me like more joy in the world. Like I'm not a big Disneyland fan, but they go like twice a month and the three of them just hang out together all day. And it's like, that's the stuff that matters to me more than anything. It's not the Disneyland. It's the yeah. time. They just happen to like it at Disneyland. <laughs> oh man. That's so important. The dinner time for us is key yeah. too, man. For us, it's, it's, we're sitting down, we're eating fa- dinner with the family and I've been working remote since 2015. So my kids mm. only know me as working remote. Yeah. And so this year we actually started doing homeschool. So now they see me all day when I'm walking downstairs and my wife and I will celebrate 19 years of being married next year. Wow. And, congrats. And, uh, you know, not every year is rainbows and sunshine. So they've yep. seen arguments. They've seen us disagree. They've seen us make up and dance in the kitchen and kissing and things like that. It, but they've seen the whole spectrum, but they know, and they, they know that we come from the crazy families. And so they've, they've seen this kind of escape that and make changes in our life that kind of suck, but got us into a better place going through it. And so, uh, so important to have that family time, man. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, thank you. What's coming up next for you? Like, what are you most excited about right now? You obviously got the book that just dropped here, uh, but what's most excited for you right now? You know what, man? I, I wish I, I wish I could tell you. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, this book has been a labor of love, uh, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Um, I, I, I think, I think so. I try not to say this out loud very often because it sounds way overboard, but my prayer 
uh, for about the last year, maybe a little bit longer, has been that I would at some point become a key person of influence in Christianity and culture today. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't I don't want to talk bad or down on anybody, but I feel like we live in a society where Christian voices have been muzzled, mm-hmm. uh, at least in the mainstream. And yep. like, I'm a big fan of Rogan and I love his podcast. I think he's a great guy overall. I think he does a great job in kind of navigating society, but he doesn't, he's not a voice for Christianity. Yeah. I love Jordan Peterson. I think he's a smart dude. He's on his journey somewhere, but he's not there. Ben Shapiro, great guy. Not quite, you know, we, we don't align from a faith perspective. And yeah. so it's like, I just feel like there is this space and an opportunity for people to step into, to help influence culture. Uh, I think that I will probably be able to do that a little bit better in the professional side of the world, just around achievement and building business and success and things like that. Anyway, so I'm praying that this book opens doors to get onto more stages to be able to do that. I Mm. will say though, because I want to touch on this because I think it's important is, you know, earlier I said that, you know, I I have a lot of me still in me Mm. and it would be very easy for me to turn this into the me show and how great I am and how big the stages that I'm speaking from. And so I'm trying to fight as hard as I can to ensure that people see that the only reason that I'm here is because God's put me here. Mm -hmm. And the only reason that I've survived is because God has allowed me to. And so I just pray that I can get to that place and that I can be faithful to the fact that it's God that's put me there. He's sustaining me there. And if I'm going to have any success there, it's going to be because of him. Man, come on, dude. Man, I think that's so impactful and so powerful. And and man, I I believe that you are needed right now, man. And I'm proud of you for putting this book out and standing bold in your faith. I think not enough Christians are are so-called Christians are being bold with their faith in today's world, man. And um, so awesome. Uh, I'd love to finish my show with a fun question. I'm a big music guy. So I'd love to ask the question, like, what's a favorite band for you? What type of music do you like to listen to? Uh, I'm pretty widespread, but primarily country music. Um, that's probably been since 2015 or something like that. Uh, so we listen to a lot, or we go to a lot of live shows typically between like 10 to 15 a year. And, um, yeah, we just love the jam. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Ryan, you're an absolute world changer, man. Thank you so much for your time today and, and just impacting people through your story. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Eric. Thank you so much for checking out the show today. I really appreciate it. I hope that my guest was able to bring you some amazing wisdom and knowledge to help you continue to fight for your goals, your dreams, and your purpose. If you could do me one big favor and just hit that subscribe button, I would so appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Keep changing the world. I believe in you. Have an amazing day.